Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Cole, and I will be your host for today's podcast. I am the founder and CEO of Secure Anchor Consulting, a company that is focused on building out effective security roadmaps that actually work to protect an organization. In today's episode, I'm joined by Mike Quatri, Senior Vice President of Defensive Security at CyberMax, and we're here to talk about monitoring cyber risk and how offense fuels defense. But before we get into the questions, Mike, can you give us a little background of what you do at CyberMax? And more importantly, how did you get involved in cybersecurity? Sure. Um, so I'm SVP of Defensive Security at CyberMax. Um, so I oversee uh, all of our defensive services, uh, our, our MDR service, um, as well as security control management services. Um, I got started in cybersecurity about probably 25 years ago, um, working uh, working for a, a company that at that at that point uh, was just starting to get into cybersecurity. I was working there for a bit as a consultant, doing some firewall work. Uh, after you know multiple years there, decided to kind of branch out and start my own company and. Uh, had my own company for about 20 years until we recently were acquired by CyberMax. So we got a veteran in cyber on the line, which is awesome. I, I love when I hear 20, 25 years, we could go in and talk about uh, the, the good old days of firewalls and packet blocking and all that good stuff. But, uh, but it's, instead today, let's get into something a little more fun, which is how offense fuels defense. But before we get into that, can you give us an overview of what is CyberMax? And why should security leaders know about you and how can they use you to help solve their cybersecurity problems? Sure. Uh, at CyberMax, we're a, a full services tech-enabled uh, security services provider. So we have a, a proven track record of helping customers assess, monitor, and manage cyber risk. Um, we are full service, so we offer offensive services, defensive services, GRC, CFIR. Um, so we aim to be able to help out clients with any of their cybersecurity needs. Um, we think our full service capabilities and the fact that we use our offensive uh, insights to fuel defensive offerings makes us unique in the, uh, in the marketplace. Do you have an ideal customer? Like, are, are you focused on smaller, medium, larger companies or certain niches? Or does your solution really scale across all industries and companies? Our solution scales ac across all industries and companies. Um, I would say the the clients that need us most are, um, you know, smaller to mid, large, large organizations that have, you know, full security teams and full uh, in-house socks and, and, and all that stuff uh, tend to tend to build a run on their own and, and maybe they would use us more on the offensive side. But, but, but it sounds like you can do everything from assist a company who has a sock to actually monitor, manage and run their entire security infrastructure. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yep. Now you mentioned the terms. I know it's uh, on your website, this offense fuels defense. Can you first explain what does that mean? And then why does that really matter? Sure. 
Um, so we like to say at Cybermax that we think like an adversary and defend like a guardian. Um, what that means is, is we take our insights that are gained from our offensive and DFIR work, and then we use them to directly improve our defensive services, namely our MDR services, and then the defenses of our clients. So you learn a lot by investigating breaches and, and, you know, on the offensive on, on pen tests, doing breaches themselves. So things that we learn from those services, we then take back and work with our defensive teams and figure out ways to guard against them. So can it almost be thought of like a prioritization? Cause you know, companies can have lots of risk, but what you're doing is you're really helping them hone in on the ones that really matter and are really going to be exploited by adversaries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's tons of risk all over, but (laughs) there, there seems to be repeated ways that adversaries use to, to gain access. And, and a lot of times it's some basic things that clients overlook and yes, we help them hone in on those uh, vulnerabilities or those misconfigurations and mitigate those risks. Now, just digging a little deeper into this, is there a real world example of offense fueling defense? Sure. There's tons of tons of examples. Um, what I like to talk about, I think is interesting is um, through years of investigating business email compromises, uh, we noticed uh, uh, patterns in the behavior once an adversary gains access to, uh, to a mailbox. So we noticed once they gained access to a mailbox, they would create an inbox folder with a, a very short name, you know, whether it's like just a dot or maybe a few few characters. Then what they would do is once they had that inbox folder, they would set up a forwarding rule to forward any mail that came into the to the inbox to this folder they just created. They would then work from that folder instead of the person's actual inbox. And we're assuming they would do this so so the the person who owns the inbox wouldn't see their mail being, you know, becoming red when they didn't really read the message or, or, you know, just seeing things happen inside their mailbox. So they create a folder with a small name, forward all mail to that folder, work inside that folder instead of inside the actual inbox. And we saw this over and over again, uh, working business email compromises, um, so our offensive and, and different teams took this back to defensive teams and we started looking at that behavior, like, you know, what, what's logged when a, when a folder is created, can we see the size of the folder and the logs, uh, what log entries are created when, when a folding rule is set up. And by doing all that research, we figured out a way to make detections for this behavior. And this detection actually became very useful um, throughout our clients' environments and, and became a very high fidelity uh, detection for business email compromise. Um, this is a great example too of how our detection library for MDR continues to grow. Um, so th- this was a, you know, a great, a perfect example of offense and, and DFI, DFIR work fueling our defensive capabilities. 
Now, there's always the balance between sort of the manual detection and the automation. And, and you were sort of hinting on that. But can you talk a little bit more of how those two pieces fit together of how you'll initially potentially do manual and then when that feeds to automation so it can scale better with your customers? Yeah, the the, the manual part, uh, there's always going to be some man, some manual work, but we've caught course try to automate as much as we can um the manual work is a lot of in the creating of the detections um when when you find a behavior that you see repeated over and over again by adversaries trying to take that behavior and figure out a way to automatically detect it over and over again is uh is, is where a lot of the manual work comes in once we've kind of mapped out that behavior, understand what that behavior, how it gets logged in various tools, then once we understand that, then we could create a detection uh, based off the logs that, that come out of that behavior. And once we have the detection, then we, we roll it out to all our platforms and all our clients so everybody benefits from it. And I know one of the challenges that I'm sure you see and I see with my clients is that that once you have an automated way of catching these attackers, the attackers, of course, don't want to get caught. So they're going to keep morphing and changing. So the automation no longer works. Can you talk a little bit of how you sort of stay one step ahead or play that leapfrog game? Sure. So 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 that is generally true with commercial products, right? So a, a commercial antivirus if um, an adversary will, you know, get a copy of a commercial antivirus and they'll play around with it and, and they get to see all the detections that are in there and how to get around those. The, the nice part is our detections are not out in a commercial product. So it's, it's hard for an adversary to see what we have and to figure out a way around it. Uh, different than than commercial tools, um, it's it's it will not be easy for them to understand what we're looking for, what we're detecting on. There's there's no way they can download you know our detection library and, and work around it. And I also noticed you you've talked a lot so far about a lot of the research you do and looking into uh, these new attack vectors. Can you talk a little bit about the research and how that helps your customers? Sure. Um, so we have a whole team of, of researchers and um, this research kind of goes outside our clients' environments, but we also then do research across our clients' environments. Like what are we seeing? Are we seeing any commonalities across our clients as well? Um, we take all this information and we generate reports that are given to our clients just kind of on the, on the general what's going on out in the wild and what do we see across our client base? We have client facing reports and then this this information is also taken back to our defensive team who then uses it to tune our defenses, to tune our detections and to help our clients tune their security controls to protect against what's most prevalent. So it sounds like some of what you're doing is sort of like almost early prediction where you're looking across all your clients and what you see in the wild. And when you start seeing these trends start to pop up, you actually start to address them proactively. Is that a correct way of doing that? Correct. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. We've, we're trying to proactively 
understand what we could be seeing, you know, down the road at our clients and uh, create detections, strengthen defenses, mitigate vulnerabilities based on what we're seeing. And going back, so it sounds like with the offense fuels defense that you're constantly gathering data and information and adding to that risk formula, that likelihood and impact. So you can sort of see the higher priority items bubble up. Is there any other things that you look for or come out of that research? On the offense fuels defense? Well, yeah, we we do have a ransomware report that we publish. And before we jump into that ransomware report, I love your thoughts on, on ransomware in general because we're in this weird spot where there's there are ransomware attacks, but they tend to be more quiet. They're not as visible as they were before. So you have some people saying, well, ransomware is not really a threat. And then other people are like, it absolutely is. It's just turning more to extortion. So what are your thoughts and what you're seeing of how really bad a threat is ransomware today to, to a company? Yeah, so we were seeing a lot more uh previous um and and what we're seeing is is when clients have like next generation av edr most of it usually seems to be getting caught um how we are seeing it still get through is clients are missing like they 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 either they don't have uh modern tools or they have the modern tool and they don't have it completely deployed and that's now how we're seeing ransomware still get in. Um, where in the past it was it was getting past a lot of AVEDR tools. Uh, now we see the AVEDR tools block it. Um, at least the at least the next gen tools. But clients who are using older tools, it still gets passed. And then clients who do have the next gen stuff but don't put a good focus on making sure it's completely deployed is, is where it's getting in. A, a recent example is, you know, we had a client that had a, a, a next-gen tool. They thought it was completely deployed, and it, and it for the most part, was, uh, but they were bringing up some new servers, and that those new servers did not have the tool on it yet. And... Uh, you know, within a day or two, those new servers being up, somebody was able to access them and, and launch ransomware off that. So that's some great advice. So it sounds like with ransomware, the, the big thing is really running the latest tools, making sure they're properly configured. You also brought up another common problem where I sort of call it the rule of 90% where companies are installing or protecting 90% of their servers, but then there's that five or 10% that aren't running the proper configuration or not running the proper software. And it sounds like, are you seeing that as a bigger, bigger problem where clients have these one or two offs that they forgot about that end up being the entry point for attack? Yep. Yep. Especially ransomware right now, because most of it will get caught if if you do have the proper tools installed. Um, So that's 100% what we're seeing right now is, uh, is when customers do have the, the latest tools, it's, it's usually getting in on a machine they missed or, or, or didn't install it on or haven't installed it on yet. Now, we were talking about research and you mentioned your recent ransomware report. Can you talk about some of the key findings in that report? Sure. Um, so it's, an un, you know, unsurprising ransomware attacks are still significantly up. Um, they're up a, a total of 26% over Q1. 
Um, and that was a little bit over uh, a little bit over a thousand attacks for for Q2. As far as groups, we're seeing Lockbit as the number one group with about 250 of those attacks. You know, so ransomware is still a thing, um, still growing, and uh, and Lockbit seems to be uh, one of the major players. And as as far as kind of how they're getting in, it it's op- opportunistic, like existing vulnerabilities that have been out there and and just haven't been mitigated or patched and they find them and and take advantage of them um so so yeah and and we're continuing to uh to expect to see that that number continue to grow in q3 and as we start to wrap up what is the one thing our listeners should take away from today's conversation what's sort of the one piece of advice you want to leave them with um i i I guess the one key takeaway or, or the key takeaways um, is that at CyberMax, we're a full service uh, security provider. Um, we would be able to help with uh, any of your security needs or any of our client security needs. And uh, we use our offensive and, and DFIR insights to fuel our defensive services, which we feel makes us unique in the marketplace. Um, and, uh, we continue to act as an adversary and defend as a guardian. And I think that's a great point as, uh, we start to wrap up of really emphasizing that offense fuels defense. Cause I agree with you is there's so many risks and so many things that you can do in cybersecurity. That's important that you really prioritize and you use an organization like CyberMax that can really help you show what are the real threats that the offense is really going after so you can properly protect against them. But, but Michael, I really want to thank you for all your great insights on today's topic. And thank you to everyone who listened to our conversation. If you would like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head over to cybermax.com and remember that Cybermax with two X's. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com.